Today's Swappa number is 3,284. That's the number of listens to the COVID-19 podcast we did with Swappa Vice President Mike Santoro on April 4th. It was a popular episode that our pilots found very helpful given the rapidly changing facts at the time. To that end, we decided to bring Mike back for a second discussion around COVID-19 to find out the latest since it's still very much top of mind for our pilots. Southwest 262, Midway Tower, wind 310 at 8, turn right, heading 130, runway 4 right, clear takeoff. A right turn to 130, 4 right, clear takeoff, Southwest 262. I'm Amy Robinson. And I'm Kurt Heideman, and here's our interview with Mike Santoro. Mike, tell us, has SWAPA seen an uptick in COVID-related calls? Uh, yes. Over the last uh, two weeks, uh, I've seen a notable increase in call volume for COVID-related questions. Uh, pretty much coincided with the increase in uh, Texas and Florida when that all started. And it stayed pretty consistent since then. And are those calls sort of the same type of questions that you've been getting all along? Yeah, similar questions. You know, what do I do uh, if I test positive? How does my trip pull work? Um, a lot of times it's uh, questions about family members uh, or close contact at uh, barbecues or parties. Uh, so lots of lots of variables in the questions, um, but uh, similarities as well. So I thought it'd be good to get the, this podcast together just to kind of get some more update information out there to everybody. So in that same vein, what does a pilot member do if they do have a family member or someone close to them test positive for COVID? So if you have a family member that tests positive, uh, someone in close contact, someone lives in your house, household, the first thing you do is try to get them tested. Uh, They're going to need a positive result for you to go to your chief pilot and say, hey, listen, um, I have a positive case in my household um, and I need to have BCC pulled uh, for the 14 days. So it will take that positive test result to get you to the CC pay for the 14 days when it's somebody within your household that um, is COVID positive. What about if it's more of a social issue? Like you think you've been exposed to someone who at a social function or a dinner, backyard barbecue or whatever, and you know, a, a family friend or something who has tested positive. Sure. So that has actually been uh, one of the popular calls recently with the July 4th having, you know, just kind of passed. Uh, and now people uh, are finding out that they were exposed to somebody at that particular barbecue or get together. So um, if that's the case, it just, it's pretty simple. Actually, the company has been pretty good about this is that it's a call to the chief pilot's office saying, Hey, I was exposed to a uh, COVID positive person at a barbecue or, or whatever the event was. Um, the, Chief is going to ask you a series of questions, uh, most importantly being, were you in close contact with that person? And close contact now uh, is prolonged as defined by CDC is actually 15 minutes uh, at a time within six feet, 15 minutes. So if you sat down at a dinner table with them or, you know, hung out by a fire pit or at a picnic table, you're most certainly within the six feet uh, for a prolonged period of time. So that would count. Uh, and that will get you the 16, the 14 days of CC poll. So, Mike, you're t- you've talked about if if I recognize that I was exposed, what happens uh, if the company finds out that I was exposed? How does that work when the when the uh, chief pilot calls me? Okay, so uh, I'm going to hit a couple of topics here. One being how, how the process works when you are uh, when the chief pilot finds out that somebody's tested positive. So a lot of people are asking me. Uh, 
Why did it take 14 days for the chief pilot to tell me that I flew with somebody that was COVID positive? My 14-day quarantine period's over. I didn't get sick, but why did it take them so long? Well, the the problem is it it just the time frame. So let's say uh, you flew with somebody on Saturday, and they just Sunday they started feeling sick, so they go get tested on Sunday or Monday, right? If they were lucky enough to get a rapid test, they get that, you know, within 15 minutes, they can get the results. Those testing sites are not all, uh, there aren't too many of those around. So you're looking at the 24 to 40 hour test, which now are getting backed up to more like five to seven days. So before that person gets their positive result, you're looking at five, let's say five days um, later. So now you're six days away from having flown with them. He calls a chief pilot, says, hey, I'm positive for COVID. That chief pilot then calls, uh, sends a message over to safety and security. Safety and security does all the contact tracing on that pilot to find out who he flew with, flight attendants and pilots. And then they get all the names and numbers, send them to the chief pilot again, to their prospective chief pilots or flight attendant uh, uh, management. And then they make the calls. So by the time you get the call, it could be 9, 10, 11 days uh, and that's if you, the guy got his positive test result back uh, in a timely manner. That's why it's taking so long. And this contact tracing is not great, but it's the best we, they can do right now uh, with with what they have to work with. Now, you, if you get a rapid test you're, or whoever you flew with got a rapid test, you're, you're going to get your answers much faster. Within a couple of days, you'll get a call. Say, hey, you just flew with somebody. We're going to CC you for 14 days. But it seems like right now the testing facilities are getting backed up a bit because we do test a ton of people in the United States right now. What happens if a pilot's on the road and they get a, an exposure call from the chief pilot? What are they, what's the like first step from that point? Yeah, good, good question. So this just changed uh, about a, a week ago. Uh, the FAA came out with a new SAFO, which basically says, hey, if any of your pilots are found out to have been you know, traced back to being flown with somebody that's COVID positive, you notify them immediately regardless of their location, and they are to quarantine in place until one or two things happens. One is they can get a negative test result to make sure they are not COVID positive. If that's the case, you can deadhead home. If you can't get a test, you are to stay where you are at for the 14-day period uh, and until to make sure you don't come down with any symptoms. So that new SAFO came out and we uh, worked with the company to figure out a, a way to, to kind of do this. There's no real great answer here, but here's the three options. One, try to find a rapid test. Uh, that's the best option that you have. To find that, you can go on SWA Life. Uh, you'll see a COVID-19 resource page. Click on that. It'll bring you to another uh, web page. And on the right-hand side of that page, you will see um, testing facilities near me. Click on that. It's listed by city. And you can go in there and try to find uh, at least some facilities in whatever city you're overnighting in and, and try to get some uh, list of names of testing facilities. Call each one and find out which one has a rapid test or what their testing looks like. If you can't get a rapid test, um, you know, and they're saying, hey, it's going to take seven or eight days. Well, now you're faced with another little bit of a challenge or a decision. You can either wait it out, wait your 14 days out there. So let's say you flew with the guy six days ago. Well, you got eight days left to hang out and, and wait at that hotel and to make sure you're negative. 
after that 14 day period is over, they'll fly you home. The third option is rent a car and drive home. Now, the rental car option, uh, the company has said that they will reimburse rental cars. They'll reimburse, um, you know, hotels if you have to get hotels along the way and meals, everything that's going to cost you to get home, they'll reimburse you to rent a car and drive home. We've had a guy get stuck in California and be Atlanta based and decide he wanted to drive home. Uh, Mike, you said that they'll pay for basically expenses on the travel. Are you on a paid status or are you not being paid actually? Yes. Yeah, so during this whole quarantine period, uh, whether you decide to wait it out in the hotel or uh, drive home for your days off where you were considered to be uh, on a day off, you get the regular 6.5 like you would just like if you were forced to work on your day off. So you will get paid to be away. Like I said, pay 6.5. Now, if you run up to another trip, um, they'll pull that trip and you'll just get whatever that trip pays. So in order to get pulled CC, you, you either have to have an exact, a, a specific exposure or you have to have a positive test. Is that correct? That's correct. So uh, any company uh, exposure will garner you a CC poll no matter what. So if you've flown with somebody and close contact and they call you and say, hey, you flew with this person. Now, if it's another pilot, they automatically get, you know assume you had close contact because you were in the cockpit for so long. If it's a flight, then they'll ask you, hey, did you have close contact with this crew? And um, they can't get specific about which one it was normally. Uh, so assume it's whichever one you spent the most time with. You don't have to answer right away. Like if it's been a week and you can't remember exactly which crew it is, say, hey, you know what? I, let me look this trip up and see if I can remember who I flew with. Uh, and you can call a chief pilot back. If you remember right away and it's a no, then tell the, the chief pilot no. But if you think you had close contact with them, uh, then tell them yes, and that will give you the CC poll. Uh, if you are sick or a family member is sick, then you will need a positive test result to get the CC poll. If you're sick or a family member is sick, you're also going to get one 14-day period of CC poll. Uh, so that's, there is a limit to that. If, if you keep on getting exposed to crew members, there's, there's not a limit to that because that's not your fault. Mike, when you mentioned about, uh, one of the options being getting tested, I remember back in April when we had the first podcast, you talked about pilots, uh, saying that they were essential workers and able to kind of jump to the front of the line. Is that still a thing or have we moved beyond that now? It is still a thing. Uh, I would definitely uh, mention that you're an essential worker. That may get you the rapid test over somebody else getting a rapid test. So it, it can't hurt at all. So uh, definitely mention that, hey, I'm an essential worker. I'm a pilot. I need to have this test to get back to flying or get out of the uh, whatever you know overnight city you're stuck in. So if someone does test positive for COVID, how, what are the steps for actually coming back to work? Yeah, good question. So there's two ways to come back to work. Uh, the first way is to test negative twice in a row. So have a test 24 hour period away, have a second test and have both tests come back negative and have a doctor's note saying you're good to go. That's one way. Now, we, we all know that getting two negative tests within 24 or 40 hours is, is tough and may not be realistic and where you're at. So uh, they have come up with a second way which is you need to be 72 hours symptom-free, no fever, no coughing, 
no symptoms at all, 72 hours symptom free and a doctor's note. So if you can get those two things or those things, two things happen, uh, then you have to tell your chief pilot uh, and he has to kind of go through a little bit of uh, some work to call HR uh, and then HR gives him the, the green light to bring you back. So it's not instantaneous, but it's pretty quick. Uh, recommendations for me would be uh, use the second option. Uh, it's just a little bit easier and both require a doctor's notes. So uh, it's kind of saves you the hassle of trying to find the testing sites. Um, be careful because some guys out there, um, sometimes these dead cells in your nasal cavity are still producing positive results. I've had a guy uh, was testing almost a month now, was tested positive and didn't have any idea that he had come back with 72-hour symptom-free and doctor's note. And so, uh, you know, it, he called me and asked me and, and I told him and he was just like, oh, thank God, I'm, out, you know, I'm almost out of sick time. This is the stuff I need everybody to be aware of and any questions to please call because we don't want you out there uh, wondering what's going on or not having the right answers. So, Mike, let's shift gears now and talk a little bit about uh, some of the other issues going around with COVID. Specifically, uh, how are, what's the hotel van situation right now? Remember back in my last our last podcast, we were having issues with overcrowding of hotel vans because of um, unscheduled reroutes. And you would have, you know, a hotel shuttle show up and thinking he was going to bring home, bring back to the hotel five crew members when in fact he has 12 or you, you name the number. Uh, so that was a problem then. Well, now there's not a lot of the unscheduled reroutes going on. So the hotels have a pretty good handle on the number of crews they're picking up and the number of crews are dropping off at the airport. The company has spent uh, extra money on these hotels where they know they have a big push in the morning um, and lots of people coming out of the hotels, they've, they've spent extra money to get the hotels to procure extra vans and shell drivers. The problem is not everybody knows this. And so everybody's piling into the one van and going when there's a second van on standby. If the van is overcrowded, don't get on the van. Go to the hotel desk and say, listen, I'm not getting this van. It's too crowded. I want to have alternative transportation. And the hotel should have a second shuttle there. Never should you get on a 12-passenger van with 12 people. If that's the case, there should be a second shuttle standing by. Kind of as a follow-up to that, on our last podcast, uh, when we talked to you, you you kind of put a little personal responsibility on, on pilots and said, if the, if the van is full and the second van is, you know, if, if there is an overcrowding issue, you recommended that people take, you know, Uber, get a, you know, a different way um, to the hotel. Is that at the time you said that you hadn't heard of the company rejecting any of those um, receipts. Have you heard any, is there any update on that? So to, to my knowledge, the company still hasn't rejected any receipts um, for Uber transportation. I do encourage you, if you're going from the hotel to the airport, to talk to the hotel first because they should have a second shuttle standing by for you. Uh, if you're at the airport going to the hotel and there's no second shuttle waiting for you, then uh, and you've asked them, I would stand by what I said before and Uber to the hotel. Uh, Mike, in addition to the vans at the hotels, the other issue that we hear a lot about, of course, is the food. What's the food situation right now? Is it still a problem? To my knowledge, most hotels are pretty good. Um, I would encourage anybody that runs into hotels that don't have food, which happens sometimes at the time. Not, I'm not trying to say that everything's great because it's not. But um, if 
if you find a hotel that has no food, you can email me or email the hotel people. Uh, and I try to take care of those almost immediately. Like I send, I send uh, emails up the chain to the head of the pe- head of the hotel committee and uh, to Dave Ratnam, who heads up the hotel stuff. So I definitely try to jump on it as soon as I hear about it. Lots of times I'm th- seeing it through like contract 2020 page on Facebook or other social media um, sites. Just an email to me would be fine at, you know, uh, org. And just to be uh, clear, I, I do think that the uh, crew accommodations board isn't accepting emails, right? You have to send it through their web form, I think. That's right. You do have to put it through the, your EFB has a form to put in. Uh, it's real time and they get it uh, and they act on it. From what they tell me, they're acting on as soon as they get these things. So, but an email to me doesn't hurt either. One of the things that you talked a little bit about being exposed on the road, do you have any comment on the rumored cluster of infections that are supposedly happening at the training center? Right after that cluster happened, I actually had training in the training center. And so what, when was this? What, can you just tell us what period this was roughly about two weeks ago, three weeks ago? So the, the rumored infections at the train center happened uh, around the 19th-ish, 19th, 20th of June. There was rumors that, you know, anywhere from 14 to 24, I mean, I saw some crazy numbers out there, were infected. That wasn't quite true. Uh, there was one person that came to Dallas not feeling well. Turns out that person had uh, COVID and infected the three other people that were with him in the CPT. And uh, so four people ended up going home uh, uh, with COVID. So they had to quarantine everybody, all the instructors that they flew with. So the total number of people quarantined was like up to 14, but that was quarantined. The the four people, the one guy came with it and three others went home, uh, were uh, also quarantined. But those are the only three that came out of that cluster so to speak, out of the training center. They did change a lot of stuff at the training center after that weekend. And I was one of the first classes to go through on that Tuesday when um, everything has, was different. They, they split up the classes size. They split them in half. So even less people were in one class. Um, they split up the CPT. So only two people in there at a time, an instructor instead of four and an instructor. And so they did make things better. Honestly, it's where it's happening, I'm, I believe, is not in the training center. I believe it's all happening in the hotel because in the hotel, the bar was open and um, all the tables were open. Everybody was kind of gathering together and having a good time. But, you know, it only takes that one person, right, to be sick. So I think it hap- more happens in the hotel than it does in the actual training center. Uh, to give them credit, the training center has done a good job at keeping everybody distanced, clean, and, uh, you know, the facilities clean and, you know, master mandatory in the common areas. So just be careful in the hotel vans and the, the van runs extra vans. Don't everybody jump in the first van. There's always two vans and there's, um, two, um, Skyhop global vans on standby. So getting to the training center is not going to be a problem. Just don't fill up that first van, take your time, you know, half people in the first van, half people in the second van, adhere to the, um, the yellow caution tape on the seats in the vans. Cause that's where you're not supposed to sit. Uh, and you know, just practice, uh, social distancing in that hotel. And I think we'll be a lot better off. So moving on from training, let's talk a little bit about, uh, the, the lids that the company has put on this on the seats in the aircraft and how that's impacting our commuters and 
jump seaters. Do you have any information for us on that? So the lids are a bit frustrating for everybody, especially commuters. Um, I understand that they're doing that obviously to keep the center seats open, uh, to entice people to come back and fly, make them feel safer, which I think it's doing. But the problem is the ops agents are given strict instructions not to go above the lid no matter what. So regardless of if uh, there's six families all sitting in a row, you know, like six rows together, leaving three other rows open, uh, doesn't matter. They can't put you in that open row, even though it, they should be able to. Uh, it's just the policy that Southwest is, is following right now because they do not want any confusion uh, or anybody messing up the Southwest promise. So that is the reason for the strict uh, limit on the lid. Now, as far as jump seats go, the fourth jump seat is non-existent right now. Uh, flight attendants can't even use it. And that's, that's believe it or not, the flight attendants are actually, the flight attendant union is actually asking for that. They don't want anybody in that fourth jump seat. So they're doing that to themselves. They've opened up that first row for the, for the one flight attendant to sit in. So they don't have to sit together in the forward jump seat. But um, as far as the fourth jump seat go, it's uh, it's being restricted because the flight attendant union wants their flight attendants to have social distancing uh, on the plane. As far as the cockpit jump seat goes, listen to this one good. Everybody, both jump seats are available no matter what. If the captain says you can sit in them, you can sit in them. They are absolutely available on every airplane. Do not let an ops agent tell you they are not available. If you have to call the knock and talk to a chief pilot and get the permission, get them on the phone because they don't believe you, then do that. But those jump seats are available for you all the time. Right now, it's it's summer and vacation is kind of a big issue for everybody. So one of the questions that we've gotten is, as a pilot, are they allowed to go out of the country on vacation? You can go out of the country on vacation, but you need to be prepared to quarantine for 14 days upon your return. So if you don't have that baked into your vacation uh, days off, then um, you shouldn't go out of the country. Keep checking the CDC website because that changes all the time. If you're traveling from a level three country, you have to quarantine for two weeks when you get back to the United States. If you're a level two country or lower, then there's no quarantine required. Right now, every country is level three. Every international destination when you fly back is a level three country. So that's why there's restrictions on everything. But keep checking the CDC website uh, under travel and you can go on the map, the world map, and you can see that uh, if maybe some countries lift their restrictions or if, if the CDC brings them back down to a level two. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but uh, it, it's always a possibility. If you are planning to go out of the country and something drops down to a level two, the chief pilots would like you to call them because they just want to verify that where you're going is actually a level two so that you won't require any quarantine upon your return. That brings up another question when it comes to quarantining chief pilots. What happens if the chief calls you to quarantine, but you're just about to go out on vacation? How, what are they doing with your vacation at that point? That's a good question. Um, so if they call you and make you quarantine, uh, you're already into your vacation. You're already getting paid the 26 and a quarter minimum for it. So they can't pull it and move it somewhere else. What I have gotten to do on a limited basis was to get a guy a CC pull for another trip in the future, uh, not on a holiday. So at least you get that week off somewhere else in the, in the, uh, in the rest of this year at some point. Uh, but 
they, they can't like just pick your vacation up and move it. You may have already got an overlap for it, or, you know, you definitely have the 26 and a quarter for it. So, um, the best they could come up with, uh, was to, uh, guarantee a CC pull at some point. Uh, so you could take your vacation at a later point, later time. So it is a guarantee. Is it a, is it a company policy or is it a case by case basis? How do we actually do that? It's a case by case basis. I haven't gotten it in writing yet. Um, still a work in progress. So, Mike, when we talked last in April, one of the issues that we're, the pilots were facing were um, the shortage of PPE, uh, personal protective equipment. Um, is that still an issue or is that something that's kind of resolved itself? I believe that's uh, resolved itself. I think um, a lot of people, for masks anyways, they're, they're carrying their own masks now, but they're still available in the bases, all the domiciles rather. So, I, I haven't heard any issues with PPE. Uh, everybody seems to have the stuff to clean airplanes with. Haven't heard too many complaints about it. If it is an issue, um, you know, people run into it, please, you know, email me so I can can get on top of it. Mike, that, uh, brings up another question real quick. If there's a difference of opinion, as far as wearing the mask on the flight deck, how does that work? Uh, are guys requiring it or not? Or, uh, is there conflict over that at all that you know of? There has been some, uh, conflict over that. And there's there's no set policy in place on whether you are required to or not. So it's, it's it is up to the individual pilot's discretion to wear the mask or not. Um, I I do know that um, Pro Standards has gotten involved in some issues where guys don't agree on mask usage up front. So um, I would s- suggest still reaching out to them if you can't come up with a good solution together. You know, reach out to Pro Standards and get some advice from them on how to proceed. Um, if, if you really can't get along, then the options are going to be to call the, uh, the knock chief and uh, one of you get removed from that flight and put on a different one. So Mike, I know that you've been working uh, pretty hard on the COVID issues uh, overall. And I know there's been a lot of like tentacles of things that it's affected in terms of scheduling and, and all of those different areas. But is there something that you could say uh, overall about the safety and, and things that have been worked on in, in this regard? I would say that both Swapa and the company are working very hard to try to keep everybody as safe as possible. If a pilot comes to Swapa with an issue and I address it with upper management, it, it gets addressed. So they're very receptive to our input, which makes it imperative for everybody out there to reach out to your reps and to, uh, like I said, you want to email me directly is fine. The more I know, the more I can get fixed. If I don't know about it, I can't fix it. Our thanks to Mike for coming back on the show and taking the time to answer some more questions on COVID-19. We've come a long way since that first podcast in April, but there are still plenty of issues that our pilots are facing every day. Before we go, as always, we want to hear your feedback. Please email us at com at swaba.org and tell us what you liked and what you didn't. We also want to know if there's any topic you'd like to see covered. So if you have an idea, please share that with us as well. And finally, our bonus number is 72. As Mike said, that's the number of hours you must be symptom-free before returning to work after having a positive COVID test. And as a reminder, you still have to have a doctor's name. Southwest has been forced to modify its policies and procedures as the impact of the virus has changed, so be sure to check the SWAPA website regularly for updates. No doubt things will continue to evolve, but rest assured that Southwest and SWAPA will continue to work together to protect our pilots, co-workers, and passengers. Southwest 2627 Alpha 1 
Clear land with two, the final company will be defined by your rival. Clear land with two, right? Okay, okay.